The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. Hey, would you take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 3, please? Ephesians chapter 3. Preach on this thought for a few moments this morning. God is able. Do you believe that this morning? God is able. Two verses is our text, verses 20 and 21. There the Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do pray now that you'd meet with us. We thank you for this opportunity and we thank you for your word. And Lord, we rejoice this morning that we serve a God who is able. We confess to you this morning that we are not. We need you. And we appreciate your love for us and your provision, your care for us. Help us to rejoice this morning that thou art able. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Israelites had gone forth and they'd come from a joy of great victory to where they were almost in despair because they had marched for days and they had been brought by the will of God, the direction of God, to the very shores of the Red Sea. Now, it's one thing to have a sea in front of us. It's quite another if off to our right is a barren wasteland that we don't think we can cross. And if off to our left is a mountainous wilderness, we can't go right, we can't go left, we can't go forward. And it's really made bad by the fact that behind us is charging the army of Egypt and their chariots. And though they had left Egypt with great joy and shouting victory, they now stood on the banks of the Red Sea and they said this to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Being frightened will make you say some really dumb things. (laughs) And it wouldn't have been better to be slaves all of their lives. And they had been brought to this place by the will of God. And if we learn nothing else from this message, understand that on purpose, God sometimes brings us to a place so that we will fully understand we are not able, and he is able. Moses says back to them, Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You see, Israel thought that their greatest problem was that they had the sea in front of them and wilderness left and right and the armies of Egypt behind them. But their greatest handicap was their perspective on life. They thought 
that success in life was dependent upon their abilities, and they discounted the abilities of Almighty God. You know, we don't like to identify with that, but sometimes that's exactly how we live life. We forget that God is able. We face a circumstance that seems our undoing or impossible, and we give in or we give up. But I want you to understand that God is bigger than the box we're in. God is bigger than the problem we face. And God is not confined to our human limits. He is not restricted by our human boundaries. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. God is able. Would you say that with me this morning? God is able. Able. Do you believe that this morning? The Israelites were absolutely stunned when the sea opened up. And when they were able to cross over on dry ground. And not just a few men, and not just in a chaotic hurry. All of their children, and all of their families, all of their flocks and herds were able to pass over in order on dry ground. And God is saying to us, take a look at that picture, and whatever you're facing today, understand that God is able to work as miraculously in your life as He was to work miraculously in the life of Israel. If I read my Bible right, God has not changed. And what God was able to do, God is still able to do. Sometimes we think to ourselves, well, He would do it for someone else. I'm here to tell you, God will do it for any of us and has already made provision to prove in our lives that He is able. I want to give you three thoughts this morning. I want to give you, first of all, this thought, the great possibilities of our God. And then we're going to move to this thought, the great poverty of of our thinking, and then the great purpose of our lives. Here's number one. The great possibilities of our God. Now unto Him that is able. That's a doxology. It is giving ultimate praise to God. Webster says a doxology is a hymn in praise of the Almighty, a particular form of giving God glory. I won't take the time this morning, but in verse 15, 16, 17, 18, Paul is speaking about each person of the Godhead. He speaks of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then in a redounding crescendo of praise, he says, God is able now unto Him, unto God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit that is able. Now, I am not an ancient language scholar. I do not speak Hebrew. I do not speak Greek. But I'm a dangerous guy because I bought a Strong's Concordance. And it's one of the greatest study guides and tools that can be put in any believer's hands. And I love the word that is used for able. It is the word dunami. And If you look it up in Strong's, he will say the most literal translation of this is to be possible. Now here's what Paul is saying to us. When you speak of our God, it is possible. When you speak of Mike Edwards, it's not going to happen. 
It's not possible. He's not a strong guy. But when you speak of God, it doesn't matter what the circumstance, it doesn't matter what the location, it doesn't matter anything other than it's possible because God's involved. God is able. God, it is possible. One day an angel came to Mary, a young maiden, and he said, you're going to have a son. And Mary said... I've not known a man. How could it be possible that I, a virgin, would bear a son? And the angel says this to Mary, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Mary, the most unlikely of of people, a young teenage girl. A virgin girl. And it's announced to her that the miracle of the ages is going to occur. She is going to conceive. How is that possible? Anything's possible with God. And the Holy Spirit will overshadow her. And the Holy Spirit will conceive in her that which will be a holy son, Jesus Christ. Now listen, we can gather in a room. And we can talk about seas opening up and rivers opening up so that Israel can go across. And we can talk about a young maiden being with child who's never known a man. And all of those things are in the abstract. And we say, yeah, God can do great things. Here's the question we face this morning. Can God do great things through us? And the answer is yes. God is just as able to work in us as he has been in all of those circumstances and all of those people who have gone before. And God says this, that he is able to do exceeding abundantly. God is able to do more through you than you can imagine. God is able to do more through this church than you can imagine. Well, preacher... You just don't know the economy in California. Got news for you. Don't care. Well, preacher, you just don't know our pastor. Don't care and do know him. We can always put limitations. We can always set limits. We can always say, not here, not me, not now, not us. Hey, God, it's possible. It's possible. God is able. Here's number two, the great poverty of our minds. God's ability and possibility are infinitely above ours. It is above our asking and our thinking. Isn't that what it says? He says, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or all that we think. One of the goals of our lives ought to be to think like God thinks. Get this statement. We will never ask like God wants us to ask until we think like God wants us 
to think. Consider with me for a moment all the ways that God in His Word challenges us about our thinking. He tells us in Isaiah 55 and verses 8 and 9, Hey, my thoughts are not your thoughts. God says to us right away, I think differently than you think. You think in limited ways. You think in worldly ways. You think in fleshly ways. I don't even mean sinful. I just mean finite. And God says, I don't think like that. I think in infinite ways. I think in possible ways. God says, your thoughts aren't my thoughts. He reveals to us how much our failure in prayer is that we ask amiss. James says, you lust and have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not, because you ask not. You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss. We don't think like God thinks, and because we don't think like God thinks, we don't ask like God wants us to ask. Because we've not had the thoughts that He wants us to have. He reveals to us, That if we know and pray according to His will, that we will have what we ask. Let me read 1 John 5. This is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. That's awesome scripture. Do you believe it? Do you believe that? Have you ever prayed a prayer big enough To really see when God answers it that only God could have done that? You see, our thinking is too small. Our thinking is managed by our abilities, our perspective, our understanding. But God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His understanding is greater than ours. His, His possibilities are limitless. And we've got to begin to think like God thinks. He challenges us to have the mind of Christ. I was sitting with a missionary preacher home from Spain. And I, I always take missionaries out to nice places. We were at IHOP. And as he was sitting there, he was looking at the menu. And, and you know, you can tell somebody's thinking. You can just see the wheels spinning. And, and he's reading on the IHOP menu, Rudy Tooty, fresh and fruity. And, and I could see he was getting exasperated, and he finally laid down his menu. And he said, you know, Pastor, I, I've been in Spain, and he was an older man. I've been in Spain so long, I can't think in English anymore. What is that? I said, sir, got nothing to do with English or Spanish. It's Rudy Tootie, fresh or fruity. Nobody knows what it is. But honestly, at that moment, I had this thought. That's exactly my problem. I think too much in Mike when I need to think in God. Just like he couldn't translate in his mind from Spanish to English, sometimes Mike is so much in my thoughts. Mike's perspective, Mike's limitations, Mike's desires. Sometimes Mike so consumes my thought, I can't think God. And you and I have got to come to the place where we think like God thinks. And when we think like God thinks, we will ask the way that God wants us to ask. But you say, preacher, how can I do that? I'm in this flesh. I'm in this box. 
this body called Mike Edwards. How, how can I make my mind to think? How can I see what God wants me to see? And, and I want to encourage you for just a moment. The answer is in these verses. I want you to look at verse 20 again. Now, unto him that is able. That word able we described as the word dunami. It is possible because God is powerful. Now notice it again. Now unto him that is dunami to do exceeding abundantly more than we could ever ask or think according to the dunami. Able, power, able, power, able, power, dunami. Where is that power that worketh in us? That word worketh, energeo, energy, the energy for me to think like God. Do you know where it is? It's already in me. And he's got a name. You know what his name is? His name is the Holy Spirit. And God has placed his mind in me. God has placed his perspective in me. God has placed his miracle working power in me. And not in me only, but every one of us who has called upon Christ to be our Savior. When we were saved, we were indwelled by the Spirit and sealed by the Spirit. And we have the power of God working in us. Our job is not to work it up. Our job is not to create. Our job is to surrender to it. To submit to the Spirit of God. To feed the Spirit of God as we starve the flesh. And as we feed on the Word and as we submit our will to His, what we find is the power to understand is already within us. And as we surrender to it and as we learn of God and submit to God, we begin to think like God and we begin to ask what God wants. And when we ask according to His will, we have it. Do you believe that this morning? You know what our problem is? We have access to the power and we don't use it. We have access to the power. It's already energized. It's already working in us, but we don't access it. My wife and I, some years ago, moved. We we lived out on five acres and surrounded by oak trees and cut about two acres of grass. And preacher, I found out when your boys go off to college, that's not fun anymore. (laughs) And we downsized and we moved into town and and uh, we were getting the house ready. We were having some people over. And, and uh, we've got a upstairs and a downs. I was down in the basement. And, and uh, I'm just such a good guy. I'm such a good husband. If you believe that, I've got a bridge, I'll sell you. But I told, her, I told my wife, I said, now, I know we're pressed here. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to run the vacuum downstairs for you. And it'll all be clean and all be ready. Do you have an upstairs vacuum and a downstairs vacuum? We do. Now, the upstairs vacuum is the good one, and the downstairs vacuum is not the good one. It's the one that we no no longer use upstairs. This is good stuff. This is deep stuff. Now, stay with me. So I go downstairs, and and, uh, I've got the vacuum out. I've pulled the cord out, and and, uh, you have to understand something about me. I am not handy. If you give me a nail, hammer, and a board, I will hit my thumb, all right? Give somebody else that, they'll build a house, not me. I can't fix anything. 
So I'm downstairs, I've, I've got the cord stretched out, I'm ready to go, and, and the phone rings, and it is for me, and it's somebody who needs to talk to me for a few minutes, and so it goes on 15 or 20 minutes, and I hang up, and I, now I'm ready to go back and vacuum, we're pressed for time, I turn the switch, nothing. And here's my thought, you have to understand, I, I'm challenged now. She knew this vacuum sweeper didn't work. She put it down here, and now I told her I'd vacuum. I've got to go upstairs and get this vacuum. So I yell up the stairs. I say, hey, this vacuum won't work. And from upstairs, she yells back at me kindly, did you plug it in? Did I plug it in? Did I, did I, plug, did I, did I plug that in? Oh. <laughs> That's us. The power's there. It's available to us. It's waiting to be used. We know it's there. We know how to access it. But we are so filled with self and stress and world and stuff that we forget to plug into it. You know, the Bible tells us that we quench the Spirit. And we grieve the Spirit. But what ought to be the passion of our lives is to be filled with the Spirit. You say, what is being filled with the Spirit, preacher? Is that some frightening, scary, charismatic truth? No. It's allowing Him to control you. Just that simple. You see, what I've come to understand is this. The only person who can ultimately hinder God's work and great power in you and through you is you. It's you. It's you deciding God can't use you. It's me deciding God can't use me that way. It's me deciding that heritage has this boundary, this limit. God didn't decide that. Hey, God sets universes in places. God allows those who have not known a man, to bear a child. God opens up whole oceans and opens up rivers. God saves the soul of the likes of you and I. There is no limit to God, but because we try to function in the strength of our own flesh, we limit what God can do. The poverty of our thinking. Here's number three. Not only the great possibilities of our God and the poverty of our thinking, but think of this, the great purpose of our lives. Look at verse 21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. There's the phrase. Unto him be glory. You know what the great purpose of our lives is? To bring God glory. And I'm going to add this, to bring God glory through the church. Our generation is a generation that is losing the relevancy of the church. 
And young people and old people as well are beginning to see less and less relevance to be part of a church. But God's command is very clear that he wants to be glorified through our lives through the church. We're to bring him glory. Then God adds this, throughout all ages. The word there is genea, literally all generations. Now there's a lot of things I could say here and I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to belabor it too much, but listen. God wants to be glorified in every generation of earth. God was glorified before the foundations of the world. When in the council of the Godhead, the plan of salvation was decided. God was glorified in the creation of the earth when he brought from void, when he brought from chaos, order. God was glorified when he he created the plant life, the animal life, when he created man. God was glorified in the ages of man when he gave uh, the covenant to Abraham and then the law to Moses. And God was glorified through the kings and God was glorified uh, through uh, the apostles. God was glorified when Jesus went to the cross. All I'm trying to do is give a quick world history lesson that at every stage God has been glorified through what has occurred on earth. God is not done yet. And God wants to be glorified in this generation. God wants to be glorified in this age. God isn't finished working. The church isn't irrelevant. The word of God is enduring unto every generation. And the word of God will still be powerful. It will still be effective. God will still work through his truth. He will still change lives. Somehow we think, well, all of that's for the past. You used to could build churches. You used to could win souls. You used to could do this. You used to could do that. Hey, God can still do that. It's us used to could us who are in the way. God is still able. But now wait a minute. Not just every age of the earth, every stage of the life. A few minutes ago, a preacher dismissed the children. Man, were they glad to get out of here. <laughs> they were happy. They were going to learn about the Lord. And the truth is they can be greatly used of God. Children teach me things. I watch them in our church and, and I love to observe them and I, and I love to see how God works in their lives. Teenagers can be greatly used of God. God can change a whole school through the lives of two or three teenagers. God can change a whole neighborhood through the testimony of one or two godly kids in that neighborhood. But now wait a minute. God wants to use young adults. Just because you graduate from high school and college doesn't mean that you get to go on hiatus of serving God. God wants to use 20-somethings. Hey, wait a minute. God wants to use young married couples, preacher. Well, you have to understand we have children. (laughs) Really? I do understand that. 
And God wants you to, to be used during those years. God gave you children so that you could train them so that their testimony could be seen. God doesn't mean for you to take the, the child-rearing years off of serving Him. He wants to use you every age. Uh, I'm a busy businessman. I, our kids are grown. I'm an empty nester. And to be honest with you, we got the freedom to do what we want now. Well, you know what? That's always been our problem. <laughs> We always seek freedom for ourselves, and we mean freedom from serving God. But God wants to use us old gray heads, or no color head. God doesn't say, when I retire from work, retire from Him. Here's all my point. At what stage of life is it not your responsibility to glorify God? And the answer is none. At every stage of life, I am responsible to live my life to glorify God. Well, we're in a culture and in a generation where we think this thing with a relationship about, with God is about our good, not His glory, not so. God will be good to us, but God is not a lamp that we rub and we get what we want. He's not a talisman that we carry in our pocket and we get what we want. God is God and we are not, and God is to be glorified. And as we glorify God, God will be good to us. But the prime requisite is we glorify God in every stage of our life, in every age of this world. And so, I come to this. If God is able to do the impossible, to do anything, then what can He do through you? And the answer is, anything that needs done. Anything that He wants to do through your life. What can He do in your heart and in your mind? Well, you say, preacher, you just don't know what I face. One of the things I've come to understand as a preacher is I never understand. Somebody will come and they'll tell me their problem, and I'll say, well, here's what you ought to do. Well, you just don't understand. I, I, okay, I never do. <laughs> but here's what the Bible says, and God does. God can change how you feel. God can change the circumstance that you think has you boxed in. God can do more in your family than you've ever thought. He can change the life of your child. He can resurrect the love between you and your spouse. He can change those circumstances at work. He can give you opportunities. He can because God is able. What could He do with our weaknesses? What could He do through our problems? through our disappointments, if we would just simply say to him, I'm not able, but you are able. And I'm asking you, I'm asking you to change the circumstance of my child's life because you are able. And I'm going to plead with you and be available to you to change that. I'm, I'm going to plead with you to change my marriage. 
I'm going to believe that you can change the issue at work. I'm going to believe that you can change this because thou art able. And I'm almost done. But if God can hang planets in place, and if God can, can create a world, and if God can open a sea and open a river and put a baby in a virgin's womb, and if God can come forth from the grave on the third day, and, and I can go on and on and on, stop limiting God for what he can do in your life. Because he is able. And he will work if you will come to him and say, God, this is what I want you to do. This is what I believe you're showing me. This is what I believe needs to happen. And God, I'm asking, I'm asking. And God is able. Don't let the poverty of your thinking limit the possibilities of your God working in your life. This church is not limited. God's power is unlimited. God can literally shake Simi Valley through the ministry of this church. God can change your family. God can change your heart. God can. God can. Oh, wait a minute. God is able. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.